0: Betty. Welcome back to the Greenlight. light, Greenlight. 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 <laughs> I am Lauren.
1: <laughs> I am Jackson. And Lauren, what do we do here?
0: Well, on this show, we read unproduced plays and screenplays and interview the fan-freaking-tabulous <laughs> people who write them.
1: That we do, don't we? We do. That we <laughs> do. Alright, it is February 2nd. Yeah. And that means a month of 2021 has gone by. Which is insane. And checks Notes, what have I done? <laughs> Sit at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not much thank you, pandemic. Um yeah, so let's just do a quick a few housekeeping things before we jump into the meat of the show, as I always mention. Lauren is checking right now for new iTunes reviews, if we have any of those. So if you haven't Uh, yeah, we don't okay. have any new ones. Well, that is a problem. At all of you, please, please <laughs> give us a new iTunes review, just so we don't we don't do this every time. I do this and I look like a fool every time. No, but I mean, yeah, time.
0: that's a that's a free way to help the show. Um, we would really, yeah. really appreciate it. Um, we would. down the road, we would eventually like to potentially get some sponsors. Yes, we would. You know, and um, we, it's very hard to get a sponsor if you are not even ranked on the yeah. chart on Apple in your category. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah we, that's the point we would like to get to and we can only do that with your reviews. Um, so rank us Just because I think I think sometimes it's um, people who are not in this realm in the game. In don't the really know, game? You know why it's important. Um, so that's why it's important because um, yeah. we would like to eventually stop asking you for money. <laughs> And, and get money from wealthy companies. Get instead. money
1: from the man, if you will. Yeah. Take take the man's money. But don't tell that to any potential sponsors we have. We would work with you very well and yeah. you'd get a lot of benefit from us.
0: <laughs> Maybe in the future you'll be listening to this episode with ads.
1: True. Uh, stamps.com. <laughs> if you if anyone's listening from stamps.com, I hear you a lot on podcasts. That's true. Anything like that. Uh, uh
0: Rothys. Uh, I would love some free Rothys. There you go. True. So anyway. that that's that. <laughs> um
1: uh, another way to help us, this podcast, is to help us financially, directly. So... (laughs) If you want even more green light content, uh, become a member of our Patreon club. I, I, I thought about it, Lauren, and I think we should rephrase our Patreon. I think instead of subscribing to our Patreon, that sounds fine. Oh, subscribe to our Patreon. Instead, become a member of the Green Light the Gang. exclusive
0: club. The Green well, Light know, Gang. I think in the, in the description of some of the Patreon things is like, oh, you get access to the super exclusive content for the littest of green lights.
1: True. If you want to be a littest if of green light, you want to be a light, littest green light. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just, just become a member of our Patreon. We actually just put up some fire content. Yeah, of, our uh, green
0: lit episode of Austin Powers for January. Yes,
1: and that leads well into if you uh, follow us on social media, you would have known that because we posted about that on our socials.
0: Yeah, with an abomination of a photo edit by You're Jackson. You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. I, I enjoy doing photoshops of mine and Lauren's faces on characters for movies, so <laughs> that's fun. That's fun of me and it's fun of us. Anyway. So yeah, um, um that one's fun. We're we're sometimes we're not drunk at all. This last one, we were uh Ooh. we we reached a point.
0: Yeah. We were we
1: were at we were at a <laughs> we certain level, I would we say. There. So if you like that content, uh subscribe please. Help yeah. us out. Join the club. Give us money, please.
0: Um and yeah, Yay. if if it is like because it is a monthly thing, you can do as low as a dollar a month. Um, but if you want to do a one-time thing, just get some good karma. We also do have a PayPal, True. and that is in the description. True,
1: some green light karma. We'll shout you out either way. You help Absolutely. us. You help us out in literally any way, and we'll shout you out. So yeah. <laughs> once again, the benefit of of listening to a fairly small podcast at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um. So shall we shall we jump into to more of what our episode is about? Oh, we before shall. we jump too far, we are reading a script by Bailey Neve.
0: Uh, full flower of the evening, yes. we're doing an excerpt because this is a feature.
1: Yeah, it is a feature. It's a really good script, and we had a really good interview with Bailey, so yeah. uh, and, that was awesome.
0: And a couple of my friends are coming on the show as guest actors, True. and I'm super excited and about it. And now
1: they're my friends. They're all of our yes. friends. If, <laughs> if you listen to this, they're your friend too. That's um, right. Oh, one more thing. This is this is a kind of a kind of big thing that we should once again remind the people uh, of. Ah, yes. Uh, so as we mentioned last episode, if you haven't heard heard it, Go listen to that and then come back. Uh, But we are taking a bit of a season break, if you will. We've decided to set this up in seasons. So every now and then to give Lauren and I a bit of a break to sort of uh, just gather together again to – what's the word I'm looking for? To um to,
0: to regroup.
1: To regroup. That's exact. Yeah. Why could I not think of the simple word I don't regroup? Know. <laughs> but yes, to, to to regroup and to just give ourselves some rest so we can come back strong and continue Urgh. to provide you with some amazing, intense, and awesome content. Uh so yeah, just wanted to let you know that's starting next week. Right now, I think it's it's two weeks, have we said?
0: Yeah, we've said two weeks. Okay. So that's the plan. If
1: anything changes with that, if we want to make it if we need to make it longer for some reason, which hopefully we, we won't. But we'll let you know. But yeah, right now, we'll keep
0: you updated. But yeah, the plan is to basically have two Fridays off, two yes. weeks off.
1: Yes, exactly. So exactly. you know,
0: without an episode, sadly, if you're all caught up, caught up, good for you. Um, you Join can get our more Patreon. content. Yeah, on our <laughs> Patreon or by listening to our other podcast. Who is that? The Masked Singer and Dancer True podcast. God. We have
1: so much. We have so many things going on.
0: Anyway, um, now Let's I think dive. we can jump into our detours of the week. Beep, beep, honk,
1: honk, hoop, hoop. Uh, our detour segment is a segment where we talk about something we've consumed in the past week, or a little bit no, longer, no, no. as Lauren is going to be talking about with hers. Yes. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the yeah. <past>
0: several months. <laughs> movies,
1: TVs, books, plays, uh, 10-year-old video games, etc. Um, Do you want me to start? I figured I would just do all of mine together, since they're kind of related.
0: Yeah, that's fine.
1: Do you want me to start with it? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> Lauren said, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So... If you were caught up in sort of the the movie world you might have noticed recently that a trailer dropped for a little movie called Godzilla vs Kong and if you are if you were just a fan of big creatures fighting like I am the trailer probably got you a little excited because it looks pretty fun however being a fan of that i I might be a bit of a poser because I had actually never seen any of the movies in the monster verse in the I don't know what Company does them. But the, the monster verse of Godzilla, Kong, different titans, etc. So, over this past week, I set out to watch them. So, I watched 2014's Godzilla. 2017's Kong Skull Island, and 2019's Godzilla King of Monsters. So I'm this is sort of going to be just a review of all of them. I'm probably going to talk briefly about all three, but they're all sort of related, so I wanted to put them together. So Godzilla 2014 is a, a two-hour movie directed by Gareth Edwards. Uh, it stars Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, Brian Cranston, and Ken Watanabe, and Sally Hawkins. Um this I, I I will admit this was probably my least favorite of the three um I the the movie is fairly dark like it is uh, Brian Cranston that man acts his heart out in this one even though he isn't necessarily in it for a lot of the time. A bit of a spoiler alert. I'll let you guess why. Um, however, I think it's a it's a fun introduction to the series. Um, and it's one that you can watch knowing that they only get better. <laughs> um, but it's a cool introduction to Godzilla for sure. If you like, you know, big monster fights, you'll really like this one. I would say this probably has the least amount of monster fights out of the three, however, which might have been why it was not my favorite. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And there is actually one of my favorite moments out of all three of them when Godzilla has the Final fight with one of the MUTOs. Um, so, yeah, I guess I can give you a brief description. It's it's a Godzilla movie. Um, the world is beset by the appearance of monstrous creatures, but one of them may be the one who can save humanity. So, essentially, the idea is... Uh, humans have been sort of ruining the world with pollution and things like that, etc. And there are uh, nature's natural forces to, to respond to that. And uh, the the MUTOs are sort of the reaction, the, the bad things that come out of it. And Godzilla is supposed to be the one to set it all right. And
2: that's, that's right. pretty
1: much it. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there is a story with the human characters, but... Whatever. We don't really need to talk about that. It's fine. All right.
0: Well, I will say Elizabeth Olsen's in it. Elizabeth Olsen is in it, and she's great.
1: Elizabeth Olsen is great, as she is in everything.
0: I really need to start watching WandaVision. That'll probably be my detour next week. Yeah, we definitely need to do that. Or next time, I guess.
1: Next time. Next time on the Green Line. Uh, All right, moving on to 2017's Kong Skull Island. And obviously, Lauren, I don't know... How many, How did you see any of this one?
0: Uh, I saw maybe the first ten minutes of this. Okay. I did. I was there for all of the Godzilla one. Yeah. I tuned in and out.
1: Sure, 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 sure. Uh, Kong Skull Island is a 2017 film, like I mentioned. Um, uh, directed by Jordan Vogt Roberts, written by uh, Dan Gilroy and Max Bornstein. This has like a a stacked cast: <laughs> Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, John C. Riley, John Goodman. Um, and those are probably the, the most recognizable of, of the people, but, uh, it was outstanding. Um, this was probably actually my favorite of the three. I kind of have a soft spot for King Kong. Uh, gorillas were my favorite animals as a kid, so that's kind of why. Um, this, uh, after the Vietnam War, a team of scientists explores an uncharted island in the Pacific, venturing into the domain of the mighty Kong and must fight to escape a primal Eden.
0: Boom.
1: So yeah, es- essentially, this one's set in 1974, so technically, as far as the timeline of events go in the MonsterVerse, this one is first in what we see in the movies, um, and yeah, th- this team just goes out to explore, and they come upon this island of, of titans. There's a bunch of h- huge creatures, Kong being the most notable, of course. However, there also is a species called Skullcrawlers, who Kong has been sort of keeping at bay. Um, the-, the Skullcrawlers wiped out Kong's family. Um, and so uh, Kong was actually born of two of the most powerful of his species, and now he is growing. He's only a teenager in this movie, so if you see a size discrepancy in Godzilla versus Kong, you're like, wait a minute, Kong looks smaller than Godzilla. That's why, because he's still growing. But Ka- Kong, once again, is sort of the one of nature's like make-rights, if you will. He is there to sort of keep everything in balance, especially on this Skull Island, and so that's what he's been doing. However, the these humans coming in, and as they do messing things, up uh, Kong is sort of there to uh, th- they sort of release a bit of the skull crawlers and so Kong has to fix that um, this movie had the most humor out of the three of them definitely and it was the most fun um, I love Tom Hiddleston he was great in this Bree Larson was great in this uh, John C Riley provided a lot of the humor and he was also outstanding Um John Goodman of the people who were in it, the the recognizable names, I'd say he was probably in it the least. Um, hmm. Not even because of any any spoiler type things. It was just you know he wasn't featured as heavily as as the rest of them. But it was a really fun story and uh, a lot of humor and Kong Kong kind of kind of kicks some scroll crawler skull in. So that was fun. Alrighty, righty, moving on to the final one,
3: <laughs> Godzilla
1: King of Monsters 2019, most recent one, obviously. Uh, so this one is obviously the follow-up to the original Godzilla. None of the human characters are in it, the follow-up, yeah. uh, besides Ken Watanabe, actually. He is the only one who sort of uh, transfers over into this movie. Um, uh, written and directed by Michael Daughtry. Uh, so this is the Cryptozoological Agency Monarch faces off against a battery of god-sized monsters including the mighty Godzilla who collides with Mothra, Rodan and his ultimate nemesis the three-headed King Ghidorah. So this one is if you if you like seeing fun monsters this is the one for you because it definitely had the most of those monsters that you're recognizable. Obviously, Godzilla, uh, but also, you know, Mothra and Ghidorah um, are, are both featured pretty heavily in this, and there's some really cool moments with them. So, if, you, if that's what you're looking for, this is probably the one for you. Uh, this is starring Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Watanabe, uh, Bradley Whitford, and I guess Sally Hawkins comes back, and Thomas Middleditch. Um, so, uh, this one, I feel like. It's my second favorite of the two. Tone-wise, I'd say it falls somewhere in between the first Godzilla and Kong Skull Island because hmm. there's definitely some more humor in it. I'd say Bradley Whitford and Thomas Middleditch sort of provide that humor. Um, but, uh, w- once again, this is, this is a, a movie about Godzilla trying to maintain balance in the world, trying to stay the alpha, even though Ghidorah, um, Monster Zero, as he is called, sort of comes and tries to, uh, a stake claim to that throne. Um, and there are even more monsters that are even mentioned in that description. There's probably a solid, like, 10 to 12 that, uh, that Pop up throughout, and so it was really cool to see all the lore and stuff with that. Um, yeah, I, I really liked this one. I'd say I didn't like the human characters as much as I did in Kong Skull Island, probably, which is why it is a little lower down on my list, but it's still good. And it all three of these got me really pumped for Kong's uh, or for Godzilla versus Kong. Um, I'm a little bit interested to see how it's gonna go because personally, I think it's gonna be a bit of a Batman v Superman situation where Godzilla and Kong. And start the movie fighting each other, but end up fighting some uh, larger being. And I've watched a few. <laughs> I've watched a few <laughs> uh, uh, trailer analyses, and uh, some people are thinking the same thing. So uh, that's coming out March, uh, March twenty, th- this year. March of this year. Sorry. Uh, Godzilla: King of Monsters and Kong Skull Island can both be found on HBO. You'll have to rent the uh, twenty fourteen Godzilla, but we rented it for a couple bucks on YouTube, so you can do that. Boom. All right, on to Game of Thrones, Lauren, Whew. sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, well, that was my big reveal, I guess. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> ah, forget well, it. No, no, uh, yeah, not the Game of Thrones show. I actually have uh, all five of the currently released Game of Thrones novels. Um, I I think I bought one of them for a bookstore that was about to close near my college, um, and the other four I got for very, very cheap from somebody on OfferUp, so mm-hmm. yay. Um but it's literally taken me months to get through the first one because all of the books are like over 800 pages. Yeah, I don't know how she and does And the print it. <laughs> is small. It's yeah. not like a Harry Potter 800 pages. Yep. Um, but I have had a great time with this first one. Um, I think it's very, very good. I have never watched the show. I have only seen the pilot. So that was all I knew going into this. Um, and I did find the pilot confusing when I watched it because I knew nothing about the characters. Yeah. I'm really glad that I decided to do the books first. Just because the books are so dense that I think if I already knew what was going to happen, I would not be, I would not be able to get through it. Tbh, oh sure, like, I hear what you're saying. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's only the ooh, what's going to happen next that I think is keeping me going through the books, even For though sure. they are, you know, very well written, very good. I think just the the world building in this is pretty amazing. Um, mm. just the overall, you know, like how the world literally works in terms of seasons um, and all the different families and their relationships with each other. Like I'm still trying to keep it all straight, but um he does do a pretty good job of splitting his time between different characters. Um each chapter is titled a different character and sort of focuses on that person throughout. Um so it definitely helps you get even though it's never in first person. Sure. Um it's sort of like each chapter is third person limited on a different person, if that makes sense. Um You know, so even though you're not necessarily getting in their heads, you are still getting the perspectives of all the different players in this story. That is really um, in in the Game of Thrones.
1: Do you know um, how the books correspond to the TV series? Is it like each season? From what I understand,
0: each season is a book until the series goes past where the books. Sure. Sure. Not that the series is over, it's just that other books have not been written. And from what I've heard of the series, that is kind of for the worse in terms yeah. of the series. Uh, I've you, heard it the, starts to decline once it gets mean, past yeah. the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, so here's a little synopsis. Long ago, in a time forgotten, a preternatural event threw the seasons out of balance. In a land where summers can last decades and winters a lifetime, trouble is brewing. The cold is returning and in the frozen wastes to the north of winterfell sinister and supernatural forces are massing beyond the kingdom's protective wall at the center of the conflict lie the starks of winterfell a family as harsh and unyielding as the land they were born to sweeping from a land of brutal cold to a distant summertime kingdom of epicurean plenty here is a tale of lords and ladies soldiers and sorcerers assassins and bastards who come together in a time of grim omens. And that
1: sounds pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, there I is might, another paragraph. I might, paragraph, have, to, I might but have to read that. I think that. I think that gives. Yeah, a, I gives think a that's. But synopsis. yeah, there's.
0: There is a lot of like. Oh well, this family doesn't like that family and stuff like that. You know, in a sense, it. I guess it is a little biblical in that sense of like kind of knowing who's related to who, but it actually sure. is a lot easier to keep track of than you think. Totally. Just because. You know he, George R. R. Martin does a very good job of making sure to bring up everybody often enough that you sure. don't forget about them if that makes sense yeah no totally um, but yeah i mean i i just think it's it's very well written um and i'm <laughs> i'm very excited to see the overall arc of some of these characters especially i think her name is pronounced daenerys 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 yeah yeah <laughs> i well you know only reading it you... i'm like how i have to remind myself how to pronounce everything did you not? did you not have friends who watch game of thrones I mean, yeah, but like, not, they didn't like talk about it constantly. Sure. Or I, I just
1: feel like I've heard so many people talk about it that yeah. I've never read the books or watched the series, but.
0: I don't know. I mean, even like, I know somebody named uh, Jaime, like J A I M E. Yeah. So, like, there's a character <laughs> named Jamie who spells it like that. And yeah. in my head, for the first several chapters until someone told me I was wrong, I was like, Jaime, every time. Sure. Like, I still have to tell myself. <laughs> in your myself mind. In your I still mind, have to tell myself it's it. Jamie. Sure. you know.
1: What is your... Okay, uh, tell me if this <laughs> is a... Uh, this question makes sense. What is your favorite house? Does that make sense?
0: Oh, well, I mean, Daenerys is obviously my favorite character at this point.
1: What house is she in?
0: Um, pff, I don't know how to pronounce it. Tar- Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> Tar- Targaryen the dragons.
1: Okay, I don't know exactly the blood of the dragon. Sure, 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 sure. She has, yeah.
0: Well, am- she has you, you. She's very like she's kind of forced to be very passive and demure at the beginning of her story. Sure, and then you know early in the book she is basically sold by her brother into a marriage to um a Kal of the Dothraki who are they're sort of like the um kind of like the indigenous people of this world. Sure, 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 um, sure. And she becomes basically uh, a princess or a queen, you know, in this sure. um hierarchy of the Dothraki. So sure. um so, you know, she really just kind of like gets her stride, becomes a leader, becomes very fierce. Totally. So, so I just can't wait to see her destroy everything. No, absolutely. So the winter is <laughs> coming. Because I do know thing. that happens. Yes, winter is coming. That's the that's the Stark's like family motto.
1: Okay. And so they thrive in the winter are they the ones in the north
0: they are in the north I mean I wouldn't say they like thrive in the winter per se because um, you know the winter's just hard for everyone sure. but I mean, as it is for all they're people, the more always. of they're the more of like be prepared for the worst kind of house that's uh, kind of their vibe so winter I guess.
1: is coming Metaphorically like, as well.
0: Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay.
1: Well, I just in, in the description you're like, oh, winter could be lifetime. Well, no, yeah, so literally. Like,
0: I mean, well, that is also. Um, I don't know if it's where the the phrase "Oh, my sweet summer child" originated, but um, like it is definitely said in this book because you know. Especially towards the beginning, um, the summer has been the last, like, decade or two. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. So,
0: like, there are young people alive who have only, only been alive for summer. the quote-unquote summer.
1: That would be interesting. What a life. Anyway. I'll have to read these books. I must. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, uh, it's obviously like, there are still places that are cold, even in the quote-unquote summer. It's just that the winters are very, very harsh everywhere.
1: Sure, 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 sure. Um, righty. Yeah, well, anyway, that that's Game for, of Thrones. Forgot. Um,
0: definitely Gold. enjoying the book. I think what I'm going to do is... You know, re- watch season one and then read the second one. And then book. read the second Kind of go back and forth <laughs> <Sure>. like that.
1: <laughs> I think that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty then. Anyway, that's when we us for us. Back, yes. We will be
0: reading an excerpt from Full Flower of the Evening by Bailey Neve. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to the green light. Green light. We are reading *Full Flower of the Evening* by Bailey Neve, mm-hmm. and we have a couple special guest actors with us. So, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, um, my name's Hannah. I'll be reading for Delilah. And we had H- Hannah H- on Hannah's the been show with us once before. before. Yes, oh um, gosh,
1: that was with Kajo script, wasn't it?
0: Uh, was it Kejo script? Oh yes, it was KJO script. It yeah, the, the, last oh, oh, the last punk on earth.
1: Last punk on yeah. earth. Yes, exactly. So, shout out KJO, Shout out Hannah! Thank you again for coming on. And
0: Thanks for having
3: me again. we also have. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> um, my name is Jung. I'll be reading for Bodhi and Jin.
1: Sweet. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Jung, since this is your first time uh, on, the, on the podcast
3: oh. here? <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Um, I'm currently a student, a senior majoring in BFU musical theater at uh, the State University of Fredonia. Um, uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I am 22 years old. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and for everyone listening, I met both Hannah and Jong at Tecumseh. A couple summers ago, so yeah. yeah, it's a it's a big reunion right now. <laughs> a, a
1: big outdoor theater reunion. Right <laughs> yeah. And I saw Tecumseh once. So there you go. Just so a big world, kind we're all of involved. Of <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, with the script, it is a feature. It's 130 pages, um, and we are starting on page 76. So mm-hmm. just to give everyone a little bit of a rundown of what has happened so far. Um, basically, it's about these two kids who decide they're going to run away to Paris, Saint and Delilah. Saint runs this organization of children who basically help him make his films. Um, They are junior auteurs, and um, yeah, they're just kind of making art together, doing all kinds of stuff. He's running a film set. uh, I I wish we could do those scenes, but they have so much so many people. Many children, Um, but yeah, they're really funny. Um, Delilah has an abusive father who is a congressman um, and is very very conservative, um, and. He's up for re-election, so this organization of junior auteurs decide to sabotage his campaign. Um, that happened just before this scene that we're about to do. Um, Saint is going to be leaving Paris. They are or not leaving Paris, leaving uh, this town in the northeast United States, Cape Laurent. Um, and he is doing that with Delilah with the help of Jin, who is this like really cool fisherman that he met on an overnight stay in jail. They did acid together. <laughs> um and uh Jin is a little territorial because the fishing industry is very competitive in this area um so he has a couple conditions for helping them escape and go to france and i think that brings us about up to speed all righty
1: let's jump into let's it let's
0: jump in exterior street day Bodhi and saint walk down a residential street
3: what do you think is it going to be enough
0: Time will tell. I think it will.
3: How, how do you do it? How do you always do it?
0: Saint lights a cigarette. He thinks on the question.
1: Well, once you realize your own imagination is your biggest obstacle, the thought of trying becomes a lot less scary. It might not work. That's the reality of any plan. But we tried, and that's all we can do.
0: They stop outside Saint's house. Let's go inside. He gestures to the front door. They go in. Interior Satyoglu residence, day. Bodhi and Saint enter. The entirety of the cape's children are crammed in the living room. Have a seat. Bodhi sits in a vacant armchair. Saint sits next to him on the armrest. October 29th,
1: 1968. Remember that date, my friends. Remember this moment. We'll be monitoring congressional polls for the next few months, but given the entire town abandoning a bound and gag Mr. Sullivan in the middle of the Cape Laurent fairgrounds, I think that our little
0: stunt will prove to be successful. The kids all detonate with excitement. Saint smiles. Delilah stands next to Saint, leaning into him. The crowd quiets.
1: My dear friends, it pains me deeply to say this, but... My time in the camp has come to an end. Delilah and I are leaving town for a little while. A long while. I'm not sure when I will see any of you again. But before I go, I need to tell all of you what a cosmic honor it has been to be your brother and your friend. I would sooner forget my own name than forget any one of you.
0: The mood has now shifted. The kids look to Saint with sadness and confusion.
1: I know I've just given you some sad news, but tonight isn't a sad night. Because my absence is indefinite. I've taken it upon myself to select a new senior head. Bodhi, please rise.
0: Bodhi looks over his shoulder, dazed. He reluctantly gets to his feet.
1: As it pertains to the motion of democratically electing Bodhi Tarantella as the next leader of this ragtag team of rapscallions, I would ask those who are in favor to indicate so by the show of hands.
0: All 80-plus children immediately raise their hands. Well then, my
1: friends, it's unanimous. I give you your new senior head of the Senior Board of
0: Junior Auteurs. The kids all cheer, genuinely happy with the appointment. Bodhi blushes and waves. As is tradition, we will seal your confirmation with the ceremonial firing of blanks from this cool-ass gun we found by the river. Saint takes a small revolver from a cigar box under the armchair. He scrunches his face and fires around into the ceiling. The bang startles everyone. They all instinctively cover their ears. A live round makes impact, and the kids are showered in drywall and bits of popcorn ceiling. Saint stares at the hole in his mother's ceiling. The kids look on, unmitigated disbelief. That wasn't a blank. Saint clears his throat, (coughs) slightly embarrassed. He removes the rest of the bullets from the revolver, then shoves them in his pocket. Exterior home, porch, evening. Saint and Delilah sit on the steps of the porch as the horde of children begin vacating the house. Saint extends a map labeled Onfroy Sound.
1: We'll meet you here. I have to help Jin with something tonight, and then
0: we're out of here. You ready? Delilah kisses him deeply. Make it quick. They smile to each other. She gets to her feet and leaves with the rest of the kids. Interior Saint's bedroom, night. Saint sits at his desk, scribbling away at a piece of paper. Dear Mum. He signs his name at the bottom of the page. He slides a single frame of celluloid film into the folded letter. He stands and begins packing up his room, i.e. stuffing suitcase with clothes, toiletries, making his bed. As he packs...
1: Dear Mum. I love you. I'm leaving Cape Laurent for Paris to follow my dreams. Or that's my hope, at least. I hope this doesn't make you sad, even though it probably will. Delilah's coming with me. She stole some money from her dad, so don't worry about us. I spent the last few weeks pretending to be homeless on State Street. The proceeds from panhandling are in a small mahogany box under the armchair in your bedroom. It totals $57. It's all yours. I don't know how long we'll be gone. As long as it takes, I guess. I love you dearly. Until next time... Saint.
0: Saint closes the clamps on his suitcase. P.S.
1: Stop having sex with Ganon. He's unhygienic. I have proof he doesn't shower regularly, but I'm mostly hoping you'll take my word for it.
0: He flips the lights off and closes the door. Exterior, five and dime, night. Jin stands outside the closed five and dime on a near pitch black street. He wears a canvas satchel slung across his shoulder. Saint arrives, pulling his suitcase behind him.
3: Ready? Well, yeah.
0: Let's move. They both jog down the street together. Exterior rival camp, night. Saint and Jin duck behind a tree line surrounding a lively fishing camp. Jin slings the satchel from his shoulder. He removes eight large Molotov cocktails, handing half to Saint along with a box of matches. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 what the fuck are these?
3: Molotov cocktails. Hey
1: man, don't be cute with me. I know what a Molotov cocktail is.
3: You're the one that asked. I mean
1: it in terms of what the fuck are these and why do you have them?
3: That's not what you said. If that's not what you meant, then don't say it like that. I figured you'd pick up on the context clues. Well, I didn't. Yeah, that seems obvious at this point. Take one.
0: Saint recoils. I am not touching those things.
3: Yes, you are. No, I'm
0: not. Jin picks one up and ignites the protruding cloth.
3: You want to get to Paris?
0: Jin hurls the cocktail into the camp with the form of an all-star quarterback.
3: This is how you get to Paris.
0: The cocktail smashes up against a canvas tent and combusts fiercely. It is engulfed in flames. A screaming man exits the tent, his whole backside covered in flames. The other camp members gawk. Saint's mouth gapes. Gin starts to light his second.
3: We're not leaving until those are gone. Get to work.
0: Saint absent-mindedly grabs the cocktail, lights it, and throws it as far as he can. It smashes direct center into a fire pit surrounded by burly Irish men, caught off guard by their burning comrade. It combusts and singes the eyebrows off each of the men very good holy fuck saint and Jin continue to throw their cocktails as the camp before them breaks into absolute pandemonium interior police cruiser night ganon drives his cruiser out on patrol in his rear view mirror he notices the intense flashes caused by the cocktails in the distance he squints disapprovingly flips on his siren and takes off in that direction exterior rival camp night Jin and saint throw the last of the cocktails Jin aims for an exposed gas can and hits it dead on. The two duck as the shockwave and wall of heat slam into them. Let's move. Jin takes a pistol from tucked into his waistband and fires a few shots into the camp. They both take off sprinting away from the scorched camp. Exterior Shoreline Night. Saint and Jin sprint in the damp sand, luggage in tow, headed for Jin's boat. They laugh and pant at an adrenaline induced euphoria. Exterior Rival Camp, Night. Gannon pulls up to the burning camp. Chaos. Men try to stomp out fires and pour buckets of water on their burning belongings. Cillian, pistol discharged, emerges from the fire and brimstone. He goes in the general direction of Saint and Jinn. Gannon clocks this and takes off sprinting after him. Exterior Camp Jinn, night. Saint and Jinn arrive at the camp. Delilah sits on a tree stump, luggage to her side. They throw their luggage into the boat and help Delilah inside. Like a true master of his profession, Jin hops and detaches the boat from the docks, hops inside, and deploys the sails. He slams the accelerator and the three of them peel out into the watery blue. Cillian and Ganon arrive, too late. Ganon and Saint make fleeting eye contact. Cillian aims his 9 millimeter towards the boat. Before he can fire, he's tackled by Ganon. The gun flies through the air, landing in the sand. Ganon discharges his handcuffs and clamps them around Cillian's wrists. Exterior, Ocean, Night. Jin looks over his shoulder to see Cillian face down in the sand, hands bound behind his back. He smiles. Saint and Delilah cheer, hug, and kiss in a frenzy of adrenaline. Interior, Camp Jin night. Ganon watches as the boat disappears into the horizon. Cillian struggles in the sand. Ganon walks closer to the ocean. He watches as the trio disappears on the horizon. He runs back to his police cruiser, leaving Cillian bound and in the sand. Exterior ocean night. Jin passes around beers to celebrate. Congratulations, kids. You did it. The two immediately hug him deeply and sincerely. Thanks to you. I love you, Jin. Jin, slightly embarrassed, hugs them back.
3: <clears throat> Get some rest. We make landfall in two hours.
0: Interior shipping container day. Saint and Delilah, eyes glazed over with boredom, sit in the corner of their shipping container. They jolt to attention as the latch is disengaged and the door is swung open. Jin steps inside. Okay.
3: Don't be alarmed, but we've run into a small problem. Oh, shit. The maritime gendarmes are here for a surprise inspection of the ship. We gotta go, now.
0: The two get to their feet. Jin leads them out of the container. The trio hastily make their way towards the back of the ship.
3: You're gonna have to jump for it. Stay close to the coastline and only leave the water when you've found a safe spot to land.
0: I'm sorry, but you're saying we have to jump off the ship?
3: Do you want to go back home?
0: Delilah thinks on this. No, I'll jump.
3: Are there sharks? I don't think so.
0: Could we possibly confirm that before we do this? No. Saint stops the sailor going the opposite direction. Hey man, do you know if there are any sharks? Jin grabs Saint by the collar and yanks him back on track. I better not get
1: eaten by a shark. You and I are going to have some serious issues if I get eaten by a shark.
3: You'll be fine.
0: They arrive at the ass end of the ship. Jin gestures to the railing.
3: Okay, up and over.
0: The two timidly straddle the railing, then slip over the other side. Um, this is higher than I thought. Jin holds on to the back of their shirts.
3: Try to hit the water feet first. Belly flopping is not recommended from this height, got it?
0: The two kids nod their heads reluctantly.
3: This is the end of the line for me, kiddos. If I don't see you again, it's been a thrill knowing you both. Be good to each other.
0: Before the kids can mutter their nervous goodbyes, Jin smiles and pushes them over the edge. The two scream and flail their arms. They make impact with the water. Jin waits until he sees their heads pop up from the surface, then leaves. The two emerge from the surface, wiping their eyes, desperately trying to get their bearings. Are you okay? Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's get out of here. They swim out of frame. Exterior shoreline day, moments later. Saint and Delilah sit on a beach, sopping wet, catching their breath. Saint attempts to light a soggy cigarette to no avail. Delilah looks around, seemingly enamored with her surroundings. Hey. Yeah? Delilah smiles. We're in France. Saint looks around. Holy
1: shit, we made it.
0: They both hug each other and roll around in the sand, giddy with excitement. End of excerpt.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Green Light. light. And we are here today with our writer of the week, Bailey Neve, the writer of Full Flower of the Evening. Bailey, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, guys. How are you?
1: We are good. We, we are good. We can't complain. Just finished up a, a, a day's work and now uh, <laughs> excited to interview you. Now, um, awesome. tell, tell everyone where you are calling from.
2: I am calling from Salt Lake City, Utah.
1: Salt Lake City, awesome. Utah. So, so yeah, right?
0: uh, one of the one of the few times, I guess, I think this is the only time we've interviewed someone in mountain time. So you're only an hour ahead of us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A,
1: a couple milestones for us, not only a new state, <laughs> but also a new time zone. So, sure. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. We actually have a Utah question coming up, but we'll cool. pocket it. We'll save it for later.
2: Yeah, Sounds good.
0: Uh, so right off the bat, as we always do, give us your writer origin story. How did you get started?
2: Yeah, so initially, um, I, well, I mean, I've always had a, kind of an affinity for cinema and film in general. And so when I was like 12 or 13, well, since that time, I've just always wanted to be a, a director and around that time i was um at the height of like a, a christopher nolan obsession and so i uh, i watched all of his films and being like the little fanboy, boy i was i wrote a like kind of like a little fan letter to his production company and by weird chance he, he actually saw it and he responded to me i asked for advice and he said like the the best thing that he the best advice he ever got was to uh Get, in, get yourself a great script and then insist on directing it. So at that point, all I wanted to do was direct. I didn't really put any thought into to writing until he sent me that letter, that response back. And that was kind of the first time I kind of entertained the idea of, of writing. And, and then um, a month or so later after that, I watched um, The Grand Budapest Hotel for the first time. Mm. And that film like really inspired me a lot and it was so beautifully written and and constructed and so i at that point i decided you know i wanted to to write something similar and start writing you know films like that and um so yeah i never kind of looked back from there so since i was like 14 after i I watched that film i've been kind of working at it ever since that's awesome awesome.
0: christopher nolan has actually gotten a good bit of airtime on this show he
2: has (laughs) Um, yeah
0: (laughs) do you have a favorite christopher nolan film
2: I'm, I would have to say memento is probably mm. my favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, i I don't think he has really a bad film in his entire filmography, but I, I think that that would probably be my favorite.
1: No, totally. Have you seen memento Lauren?
0: I haven't
1: it's it's very good. I watched it for the first time, maybe like three or four years ago, but um it was it's just like a it's just like a psychological thriller. It's really cool. It's like a mystery behind it. I love it. I love it. It's great. So that's a really good choice.
2: Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Alrighty, so now let's dive into the script, and I, I really enjoyed this script. Obviously, for those of you listening, we've probably explained this multiple times on the episode by now, uh, but this is a full feature. It's a full 130-page feature, and so not all of the questions will be from the uh, part of the script you heard, but hopefully you got enough of a... Uh, of a little oh, summary. Vibe. Yeah, that that these will all make sense. Um so it, like I said it's a really cool story with like a lot of moving parts that fit together really well. And as I was reading more of it it, it almost feels like an epic when you read like the full thing with just <laughs> its, <laughs> it's like scope and structure. So where did this the idea for the for the film originate?
2: Um I was in high school at the time and I was just kind of like um I guess you could say I was a loner and so I just kind of had like this fantasy of just like just dropping everything just quitting school and just like up and leaving not telling anyone and just like running off to some exotic land Paris being the one uh in the film and that was kind of where I've always wanted to go and so it was kind of just born out of like this like young teenage dream and naivety of um just kind of wanting to to run away and not like um be subjected to you know going. The responsibility of what comes after high school, college, the job, things like that. For sure. And so, I mean, that was kind of the origin of it—just wanting to uh, just be a kid and, and and protect that youth and and you know uh, capitalize on that as much as possible.
0: Yeah, for absolutely. sure. So, kind of a a little bit of a sidebar question. Um, I noticed on the title of this script that it said "Full Flower of the Evening, Paris mm-hmm. Edition." Are there mm-hmm. other versions of the script?
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, there there used to be i um I originally wrote it um so that when they run away their their destination was the Woodstock Music Festival that took place in 1969 Oh, um, yeah so that was my my original idea um, and I, I eventually switched it to Paris because I felt like I could do more with that um, that setting and that storyline
1: totally I that actually leads it really well to to another question that I have so like like you said the film is set in in 69 in like a small like sort of northeastern fishing town so so yeah. where did that setting come from was it partially inspired by the Woodstock aspect of it, or were there other things in play as well?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that um, because like the fishing town aspect was was kind of central to the to the setting, I, I just wanted to have something you know coastal but still small town, and so I figured somewhere like in the American uh, Northeast, somewhere around like Maine uh, area would probably be the best to do it. And I don't really have any like attachment or history to that that area of the United States or anything like that. It's just a place I kind of. Found fascinates me. So I decided that might be the best place to have a setting.
0: For sure. So speaking of the setting, uh, I want to talk about the narrator of the script. So um, for everyone listening who didn't hear this part of the script, the first 15 to 20 pages, maybe, uh, is brought to us by the narrator, who is pretty much giving us uh, a pretty funny introduction to this town, uh, the type of fish that is caught there that is sold there that's pretty much their whole economy um and it's funny I was very surprised when I tried to look up this town and this fish that they weren't real because I felt very educated by that first 15 to 20 pages (laughs) so um we don't get to see her in the script portion we read like like I said but this character of the narrator is fascinating and really fun uh, she only exists outside of the story and pretty much just comments on it. Doesn't really affect the plot. Um, so, talk about her purpose and how you crafted this character.
2: Um, I I really like the idea of having a narrator, but not a narrator that went beyond like just a voiceover. And so, I really like the idea of having like a, uh, a living, breathing narrator that, that seemed invested in the story that seems like she cares about the characters. And I thought that might be a fun thing to try and explore. So I thought that um, having a living, breathing narrator kind of just set up the film, uh, kind of introduce some of the characters and the, and the setting would be kind of a fun idea. And I, I like the way it turned out and I think she's, she's a good character in the film.
0: For sure. Yeah. I It actually gave me similar vibes to um, Lemony Stickett's character in the Series of Unfortunate Events Netflix series. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, just kind of, you know, how he's always there, how he's like in the secret passageway underneath where they are or something like that. Um, uh, so, yeah, another thing yeah. I want to talk about with the narrator was Persephone. So, um, Persephone is the narrator's love interest. Um, I guess they're, they're, you know, in a relationship and basically at at one point Persephone comes in and appears every time we see the narrator. Um, So how does she play into the narrator's journey and the story as a whole? What is she meant to represent?
2: I don't know that she necessarily represents uh, anything. I think she's more of a device to kind of humanize the the narrator that she's not just like this weird omnipresent being that just like uh, it's kind of just omniscient of of the story. I just kind of wanted to uh, Humanize her and make her seem more of a just kind of an everyday person who just happens to be the narrator of this film. So, I kind of wanted to just, um, like I said, just humanize her and um, give her a partner that she, you know, is going about a normal day's uh, journey, but um, you know, also while narrating the film. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I found the narrator like super dynamic. And and interesting every every time they were they were on the screen I was like I was or on, on the page I guess in the screen of my mind if you will um, I was I was just super intrigued so I, I I'm glad that the that character was included um, so we see this sort of throughout. The script about these kids in 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 this in this club, uh, th- they feel and act a lot older than they actually are. At one point, we have like a seven-year-old cursing like a sailor and like an eight-year-old smoking, etc., etc. <laughs> uh, so, talk about these kids and why they feel so much older than they are, and sort of how they developed like that.
2: Yeah, well, I guess, like, kind of the inspiration for, for like, the the kids and the way that they behave is um, uh, kind of based off, like, uh, Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. Mm. They're just kind of, like, irreverent, and um, they kind of exist in this weird vacuum and ecosystem all in in and of themselves, and they don't have a whole lot of parental interference or a lot of rules that they have to live by or anything like that. Um, So, yeah, that's basically kind of what I wanted to do, just have these kids exist and be able to be as artistic and... Uh, crude and crass as they wanted to be um, without you know the intervention of adults or, or things like that. So essentially that's kind of where that that came from and the inspiration for that.
1: yeah, totally and i've I've mentioned this countless times on this show pretty much anytime <laughs> we have any uh, anytime we have scripts with kids in it, but oftentimes I find that a, a script that features children heavily, is only as good as how interesting those kids are um because you know there there are times when like you know you, you can write kid characters poorly but these are written very interestingly that i think um, especially because this movie is obviously targeted for an older audience uh, that mm-hmm. that these kids can you know can you know um, um entertain an older audience if you will so i, yeah, I really appreciated
2: sure. that about them
0: yeah so saint and his mother um i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this right fabian
2: yes fabian
0: okay um, but yeah, Saint and his mother, Fabian, have a very interesting, casual relationship. So he talks to her about when he tripped acid, um, but he's also scolding her for having sex with a cop. Uh, neither of them really bat an eye at it. So do you, How? what inspired this kind of casual parental <laughs> relationship? You know, do you have that kind of relationship? How does one pull that off? Uh... <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, so no, I, I certainly don't, like, have that relationship with, with, with like, my mother, for instance. Um, I think it's kind of, I guess it's like, um, I just recently ha- had a son that was born in, in December, so. Oh, I guess Oh, congratulations, kind of like, man, that's great. Thank you, thank you so much, yeah, and so I think it's like, uh, for me as a parent, it's kind of like, Like I just like my relationship with my son comes first so things like like drugs and swearing and sex and things like that comes second as long as I have a good relationship with my son and with my kid. um, You know that that's what's most important to me and I think that's what's most important to Fabian is that Saint understands that that she is, you know. um, uh, A listening ear and a shoulder to cry on and things like that so. He feels comfortable speaking to her about things like, like acid and sex and things like that um, without necessarily having like the, the trepidation that you would normally discussing those things with your parents.
1: Yeah, totally. Right. As, as much as their relationship is is different from what I would say is like the traditional uh, uh, mother-son relationship, it, it does seem like, it seems like they have a very good relationship. For sure, you yeah. You know, and, and so it, it's really cool to see this relationship work in this way, in a way that's, you know, that we're not used to seeing, however, still work in, in, in such a good way for them. So I think it's a, a cool representation of that, definitely. Yeah yeah um so like I, I thought it was interesting because you know reading this script um obviously obviously you have a passion for film yourself um but I was I was thinking like theoretically these group of kids could be in, could be involved in any sort of group activity and the story could generally follow the same structure so why did you choose film for for this specific group
2: um I think that like like you said, it, it's, it's my number one passion. It's like the thing I know most. So yeah. I think, you know, um, that being the thing that, that kind of brought them toge- together and that's the thing they can kind of rally behind was something that I felt most comfortable with. Um, and I think there's a lot of freedom in, uh, in, um, in film because there's so many different aspects to it. You know, uh, you know there's, there's prop people, there's makeup people, sound people, camera people, things like that. So it allows for kind of a community to be able to participate in it all at the same time. Um, and so I really wanted to have a medium that they could all collaborate together and interact with each other with.
1: Totally. I feel like it also opens up the opportunity for a whole lot of different personalities, which I thought really showed well in the, in the different characters of the kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I actually don't know if I mentioned this character by name when I did my little summary, when we did our script recording, he's but mentioned
1: in, in our, he is mentioned uh, in the reading. Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. so there's a character named Gannon who is a cop, um, and he's sort of always after this group of kids, you know, always trying to stop them from uh, making their films, you know, stopping them from interfering in a campaign, which, you know, that's kind of valid. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, generally getting in their way. And um, once a spoiler a little bit, um, once Delilah and Saint do run off to Paris, uh, her father sends Gannon after her and, you know, basically bribes him to go to Paris and bring her back. So, Ganon obviously starts out as a villain, but by the end almost becomes a likable figure. So, at what point did you want the audience to make that shift from dislike to like with this character?
2: Yeah, I think that throughout, like you said, throughout the entire thing, he, he's kind of a, a difficult person to like. And uh, certainly the, the kids in the movie uh, detest him. They call him, you know, a fascist, a pig, things like that. Um, but at the end of it, um, I, I really wanted, because I feel like Fabian is a, is a really caring and understanding character. And um, I wanted the audience at the very end of it to kind of have that same understanding of him, that even though he's kind of brash and he's rude and he's not very understanding of the kids and their artistic endeavors, that um, he still is, you know, uh, he has his soft moments and he is, you know, a good guy. And so I didn't want to go the whole film, just uh, you know, continuously having him be a jerk the whole time. Um, so I think at the end, I kind of wanted to wrap it up and make him a more human, a more um, a, a character that you could empathize with more.
1: Totally. I actually I thought it was really cool because throughout I was like, man, I really like Fabian and I really don't like Ganon. So how does that – how do these two come together and how does right. that make sense in my mind? But by the end, I was like, okay, I get it. I think I, I think I get why they're together. And so, yeah, yeah. just – just you definitely see more. Obviously, he starts out – and I think partially because we get more of the kid's perspective at the beginning. So mm-hmm. so we get more of just their hatred for him because of that. But then we get to sort of see him and see how he works. And, and I think that was really interesting to, to yeah. humanize him. Like I think maybe – I guess Patton might be the only character who I outright like hate throughout this. (laughs) Um, Everyone else has has a has some sort of moments. Yeah, exactly. So so I thought it was really cool to have that moment with Ganon.
0: Yeah.
2: For
1: sure. Yeah. Um. So without spoiling anything, there is there is a scene where Delilah just like kicks a whole lot of booty, and I don't I don't even know if I have a question about it. I just found it to be incredibly satisfying. So talk about that scene, I guess, if you want, or or we could just move on, because I just really you know, enjoyed it. Um,
2: definitely. Well, I think that, like, throughout the film, um, Delilah, she's kind of like a... Uh, she, she's kind of like a passive voice throughout the whole thing, but I kind of wanted to highlight, like, this, um, this underside of her character that, you know, she doesn't really um, take um, abuse or harm or things like that uh, lightly where she's willing to protect the people she loves and she's you know, more than willing to protect herself as well. Um, and I wanted to highlight that even though she is kind of like a, um, a more quiet and passive uh, character, that she also has this side of her that's fiercely protective of herself and, and the people that she loves.
0: Yeah. For sure, yeah. I think a lot of times, um, I don't know, I think some writers have a hard time towing the line between, you know uh, – I think that there are some writers who don't realize that you can be both passive and strong, if that makes sense. Um, And I thought that Delilah was definitely that type of person who is maybe a little bit, you know, again, a little bit quieter, but that doesn't mean that she's not incredibly strong. So, yeah, yeah that, totally
1: yeah. and I, I think I think that was a really good fulfillment of her arc as well for sure because obviously you see her her relationship with her father um, and and you know the abuse that she suffers at his hands and so I, I think it was a really satisfying moment to see her sort of even if not to directly get revenge on her father and by the end she does because of, of, of what happens etc not too many spoilers but mm-hmm. it was it was cool to at least in a very indirect way to sort of get get that satisfaction of, of yeah. that that we see earlier for sure yeah definitely. Yeah. So, so
0: those are that's it for our script questions that um is. so everything else is some uh some deep and personal questions about you yes Just
1: kidding cool. <laughs> not that deep no th- no lauren <laughs> don't lie to him he needs to be prepared yeah These are very deep and personal questions <laughs>
0: so like we talked about the script you know it's 130 pages it must have mm-hmm. been a huge undertaking especially since when you first emailed us you said that this was your first feature so yeah How long did it take you to write such an ambitious story, and how did you start mapping that out?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, like I said, this has kind of been um, a a long process. I started this like my sophomore year in high school, I think, Uh, and I'm 21 now, so it's kind of been like a four-year process, um, and I didn't really start out with the intent of making uh, it it a feature-length script. I just kind of wanted to just write something for the sake of writing something, but I eventually kind of fell in love with the characters that I created in the story that <clears throat> that surrounded them. So yeah, it was just something that I, I kind of just started to write out of out of, out of boredom and out of this idea I had. And then it just kind of, as I got older, I felt like I could do more with it um, rather than it just being a short film or just like a, a simple scene in particular, so.
0: For sure, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, a piggyback question. Um, I know that you said this was your first feature length script, but what else have you written? You know, have you written some short scripts or things like that before this?
2: Yeah, I've written a few. I've written probably about like five to 10, um, uh, like 40 to 50-ish page um, short films. I have a few Westerns, a few uh, like Quentin Tarantino-inspired like heist films, things like that. Um, But yeah, this was my my first real endeavor to try to make something uh, a feature length.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a success. I would say.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely, mean. absolutely. I definitely Thank you agree. So much. Yeah. Um. So, so this is this is kind of script adjacent, but it's more about <laughs> you. Uh. So, if you could run away to one faraway land as an artistic retreat, similar in the script, where would you choose to go?
2: I mean, I would just have to take it straight out of the script and say Paris. I think that there's so much beauty in that city, and, and maybe just France in particular. Um, there's just so much art and culture there that it really is kind of the genesis of why I, I made this this, this script um, because I was just so enamored with a, a place I'd never been to. So I kind of maybe started writing it out of like uh, wanting to live vicariously through these characters. Um, but yeah, I, I would you know I would say definitely Paris is, is that one place that I haven't been that I would love to go.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
1: that is. Lauren, do you have a place that you would you would like to go?
0: Uh, well, I think that leads into our next question pretty well. Uh, so <laughs> imagine this scenario. You are That's a real team. estate agent, and Jackson and I are a young couple looking to move to the great state of Utah. So sell us on why we should move there.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. There is... Uh, It's beautiful here. I mean, if you are into hiking, if you're into to nature, camping, uh, road tripping, anything like that. uh, All the way from the northern to the southern tip of Utah, it is just absolutely gorgeous. We have, you know, Zion's National Park. We have um, our our beautiful mountains up here in Salt Lake City. So I would say that might be the main source uh, or main drive for people moving here. Um, It's quiet. There's not a lot of hustle and bustle like there is in L.A. it's a, it's a really kind of a simple place to live, and it's it's really quiet. And uh, I would say that's probably the main thing that uh, drives people here, that people like to consider. Hmm,
0: okay. All right, well, that I'm was sold. a very good pitch. Yeah. All right, Lauren, let's <laughs> back up and move. Yeah, I mean, I do know <laughs> there is Utah. at least there is at least a little bit of a film industry in Salt Lake, from what I've heard.
2: For sure. I mean, there's a, the Sundance Film Festival that's going on right now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, surrounding that, there's a lot of really cool uh, and interesting people. That, that I've been had the chance to meet and, and uh, work with. And so, yeah, there's definitely a, a strong, um, you know, filmmaking presence here for sure.
1: Totally. Awesome. Totally, yeah. All righty. Those were actually all of our questions. Um, So, yeah, th- thanks again for coming on. man. Before we let you go, uh, a couple things. A, do you have any questions for us?
2: Um, No, man, I would just say keep it up. I mean, the, this the podcast is one of my favorites. I listen to it every time there's an episode that's out. It's been a really awesome uh, useful resource for me as an aspiring writer to to listen to. Uh, experienced actors read unproduced scripts and, and things like that. So no questions, but I, I just I would say that you guys are you guys are awesome and keep it up. Oh. Well,
0: we appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, so we're much. we're so glad we got to have you on the show. You know, it's always really exciting for us when someone who actually listens submits a script.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> wow, experienced actors. We got called experienced actors, Lauren. <laughs> <That's
0: funny>. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's but I mean, true-ish. yeah, we're we're so glad we got to have an experienced writer such as True. yourself on True. the show. Thank you
1: so facts, much. facts, Thank facts, you. facts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Um,
0: So, if you want to get in touch with Bailey about potentially producing the script, or if you just want to read the rest, or uh, talk to him about Salt Lake City, even, um, his email will be in the description below.
1: Yes, Uh, and that'll do it for us, folks. So, Well, uh, actually, one more thing. One more thing. I lied. Uh, Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything you're working on right now, or anything coming up for you?
2: Uh, No, I mean, this is really the only thing that i've, I've put my, my time into so hopefully in the future i'll have something that i can uh, put out there but uh, yeah nothing right now
1: all right okay. awesome well this episode is your plug your are you and tell the world <laughs> so yeah <laughs> thanks so much again for coming on bailey we really appreciate it
2: thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it thanks. yeah
1: absolutely all right have a good night man
2: bye Me too
3: bye